Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today. Old man winter here. If I had it my way, it would stay winter all year long. Short days, wind chill, black ice and a good polar vortex. (laughs) Heaven! Wait, is it getting warm in here? Your cold snap is over, old man winter. Spring has arrived. Spring. Spring is here, which means it's the perfect time to get away in the Hyundai you've always wanted. Visit the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event, where you can get great deals on all of our award-winning Hyundai models, like the tech-filled Tucson and Kona, as well as the spacious Palisade. Enjoy wherever you go with the peace of mind that comes with America's best warranty and three years or 36,000 miles of complimentary maintenance. But hurry in. These deals won't last. Add more joy to your journey at the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Now get 0% APR or up to 1500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details. This is the Skate Podcast on WEEI.com. Bobby Orr, behind the net, the Sanderson, the For the first time in 39 years, the Boston Bruins have won the Stanley Cup. Talking Bruins and NHL. Sure, old-time hockey. Like it is sure. With writer and producer Brian DeFelice. Brian DeFelice is an emerging talent. Bridget Prue. Yeah, he's a little bit on the hot seat. Burn him! And WEEI.com Bruins writer Scott McLaughlin. Oh, great Scott. Lace him up for some bees talk right now. I'm a damn the Skate Park on WEEI. Welcome into episode 85 of the Skate Podcast. I'm Brian D. Fleece, and today's a big day because for the first time in about six or seven episodes, the three of us are in person together. I'm talking about Bridget Prue and Scott McLaughlin, and it's, it's great to see your shining faces again. I know. The last time we were together in the studio, Tom Brady hadn't even retired yet, and now he is already <laughs> back in the NFL. Exactly. Yeah, well, I can't believe you got me here in this economy. Do you know how much money it it's going to cost me to fill up my tank because I came here? Yeah, I know, actually. It's uh for the first time, well, I mean, ever. I mean, I remember, I don't know if it was high school, or, but it was about four bucks a gallon, whatever. Then it dropped down to two, and then... You know, last week it was one hundred sixteen dollars to fill up a tank. It was just like, well, yeah, you Jesus were Christ. you were out in California. I was, I was surfing. I was, you know, I had some auditions. Um, yeah, it was pretty cool. You know, it was a good, it was a good time. Um, Scouting uh, Hampus Lindholm yeah, and well, Ricard Raquel. Exactly. Uh, Wei sent me out to Anaheim <laughs> to to scout Hampus uh, Hampus Lindholm. Now. They didn't pay me, and they didn't ask me to go, but, um, you know, I went on behalf of the station uh, just to get some eyes and ears on the ground there, but... Uh, yeah, you know, the only... There, there are two people that are um, upset that we're back in studio doing this, and that is my dog, Melvin, mm-hmm. and my cat, Daisy, who both enjoyed um, interrupting every single podcast and sometimes, you know, trying to look right into the Zoom camera <laughs> or squeaking a toy or barking at me. Yeah, but no, but it's good, though, because they kind of complete the roster and they balance out the lineup a little bit, keeps everybody on their toes, and, and, you know, iron sharpens iron or steel sharpens steel, whatever the hell the phrase is, so... <laughs> well, much like the Bruins defense, uh, 
our podcast was was looking for some bark, you know. Oh, geez. looking for some oh, bite. Oh no, that was brutal. Now I will say, <laughs> moving on. <laughs> All right, turn Scott's mic off. This is, this Scotty, is going Scott, terribly so far. Scotty shouldn't have taken those smelling salts before the episode. <laughs> he, he's bouncing off the walls right now. Now I got a question for you guys. It works for Jeremy Swayman. <laughs> So, uh, yeah, Easter's Easter's around the corner, and you know, for 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 Catholic, is it when, I don't even know when Easter is. Yeah, I think it's in April sometime. Yeah. So, all right, uh, you know, a lot of people they give up something for Lent, right? Well, apparently the Bruins' top line has given up scoring for Lent because uh, they've been they've been quite slumping. And, and I want to jump into this right away because Bridget posted an article, uh, shameless plug. Um, Thank you. You're welcome. And uh, even though I did it for you. And you didn't ask me to. But, <laughs> <laughs> so, Bridget, you can you can dive in a little bit to what that was about because um, the last the Bruins have been playing great hockey, like nine one and one, whatever it's been. Um, you know, great West Coast trip. They come home, you know, they played well against LA. You know, tough ending, but then they they bounce back and granted, you know, some lower teams in Arizona and uh, who, who who why am I blanking on the other team? Arizona. Who else? Did they just play at home. Chicago. Chicago. Thank you. Um, you know, not the best teams in the league, but it's the NHL and everybody's competitive and the Bruins find ways to win. So they're feeling good about themselves. And um, Bridget uh, posted an article, I think it was yesterday or today. And if you want to just give the synopsis, we can dive into that. Yeah. So it's mostly about Marshawn. Uh, Bergeron's declined in production in that time as well. And over the past seven games, it goes back even further than that. I believe nine games since DeBrus was added to that line. And it all kind of started going downhill right around the time that Marshawn got suspended, though, if you want to go back a little bit further into February. Um, but as of right now, Marshawn's having a really tough time. He should have scored. <laughs> he should have scored against Arizona. That was, that goes in nine times out of ten. And Moser, the defenseman, just whacked it out of the air, um, even though the net was wide open. But uh, the stats are not good. Uh, he has Scott. Help me pull this one. Zero goals on the in his last twenty three shots. He has three goals in the last eighteen games and none in the last seven games. So my article was pretty much about how even though the like Marshawn getting suspended was a good thing in the way that like you get this third line, you find out this third line is is going to be um, sticking together for a long time if you can keep it that way. But it's come at. I don't know if I would say they're completely related, but. You know, I don't think it's a complete coincidence either that the first line has started to suffer um, in that same time span. Yeah, so I guess, like, the, the question would be, is it is it just bad luck? Is it a little bit of a hiccup, or is it a real concern? And I lean towards it not being a real concern um, because they are – they're still dominating possession. They're still getting chances. And Bridget, you had the numbers in there. They've out – since DeBrus joined that line, they've outshot the opposition 84 to 40 and high danger chances like 22 to 7. So I would say when you're doubling up opponents in shots and tripling them up in high danger chances, you're going to break through eventually. And I think it's just a matter of time with that line. Uh, Martian has gotten chances. You mentioned the one against Arizona. That's one of those where it's like, yeah, that's when you know it's not going well. Like that's when you know that you're just not having any luck right now. And eventually that stuff evens out. We've seen it with Craig Smith this year. We saw it with Pasternak earlier in the season. Like when you're getting those looks and when you know when you have a proven score, you know eventually it's gonna turn the corner. And it will with Marshand. What I think is interesting here is that you know, look, 
I think it's easy to say, like, oh, well, it's gone downhill since they put DeBrusque there. It must be his fault. I don't think that's fair. Especially because DeBrusque has had the best numbers on that line. Yeah, I think... He's six goals in the in nine games since he got put up there. Yeah, and we knew, like, he wasn't going to keep scoring hat-tricks and have two-goal games like every other game. So, but, you know, I think he's still been playing fine for the most part. Um, it, you know, what? but what I think the difference is, is, like, when David Posenok is on that line... That's someone else that can drive that line when Marshan goes cold. And when it's DeBrusque or even Craig Smith there, they they kind of can't. Like they can complement that line really well. They can score when that line is going well and they're getting set up by Marshan and Bergeron. But when Marshan goes cold or Bergeron goes cold or both go cold, they're not you know, DeBrusque is not gonna be able to pick up the slack and be like Guys, I got this. I'm going to set you up now. I like, want to push he, back on that a little bit, though, because he doesn't have the ability to do that the way like Pasternak would. And it, but he has, in a lot of ways, stepped up when they went cold. Like he he has more than half of the goals on that line since it was put together. Um, he has six goals, yeah, and then the other two combined have five. Yeah, but I mean, a few of those were set up by yeah, Marshan Bergeron. Yeah, and a couple came like with different. Like one came just after a power play when he was actually out with the power play unit. Yep. Like a couple came without all of them out there. But you can't. One like, was set up by was it overtime goal Hall? I think Hall set him up on one. Coyle set him up on the overtime goal. So, but you have to give him a little credit. He's picked up some of the slack when they've gone a little bit more quiet. Yeah, but he's not gonna. It's not gonna be like, hey, you know, DeBrus can kind of take over for a shift here and be the one who sets up Marshan. Like that. That's probably not gonna. At least, cer- certainly not anywhere close to the extent that it could with Pasternak. My my opinion is that Bergeron and Marshan, uh, you don't gotta worry about them for a second. Um, you know, and and so and that's with or without Jake DeBrusque on their line going forward. I, I, they're too good. They're getting their chances. The Arizona uh, play in front of the net, like that's in my honestly, I, I'm inclined to say that was a an unofficial goal because it really it really was like it was the luckiest thing he had, it, it, luckiest deflection ever. Um, but my my biggest takeaway is that even though the Bruins top line isn't finding the back of the net as often as they're accustomed to, uh, no matter who's on their right side, um, they're still winning games, and they're still scoring goals, and that's huge because for the longest time, it was, well, if that top line's not going, the Bruins aren't scoring. Well, now, you know, on the score sheet, that top line's not going, you know, as, as well as they can, but yet, and and honestly, and, and sometimes the second line's going quiet too. So the third line's picking them up, and when the third line's not picking them up, it's the second line. And and that's that's the balance and the depth that you need. And uh, Bridget mentioned when Marshan got suspended, it forced Bruce Cassidy to kind of you know tinker with his toys a little bit. And 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 who would have thought going into this going into the uh, I almost said school year? Who would have <laughs> who, who, who thought going into the season that Charlie Coyle, Craig Smith, and Trent Frederick would have been a, a magical combination? And I, I guess that's a strong word. But they they've played really well together. Craig Smith is he's 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 simplified his game with those players as opposed to trying to do too much with higher skilled guys. Charlie Coyle is playing his his two-way game. He's protecting the puck. And Trent Frederick is skating with speed I've never seen him use before. And I'm starting to think, well, he ain't just gained that speed overnight. He's probably always had it. But depending on who you're playing with, it doesn't always come out in you. And I just think that 
That third line is gelling well. The first line, if Jake DeBrusque is here through the trade deadline, and that's a combination you want going into the playoffs, and they're still not scoring, all right, you might have to find an alternative. But my inclination is that Jake DeBrusque will be dealt. And to the point we're just making about Jake scoring a lot of the goals in that first line, we all know Martian and Bergeron are fine. So, hey, if that means that DeBrusque's value has gone up and that's the only... That's so, the only thing, then fine. Uh, I will push back on that a little because I just saw this like just before we started and uh, didn't mention it, but Elliot Fried- I saw a tweet quoting Elliot Friedman on his must have been Sportsnet or his podcast saying that he thinks DeBrusque ends up staying put. I also have I've I've been saying that for a while as well. Yeah. I think he ends up staying put and we'll this is this will be for our other section because in a little bit we're gonna talk about uh what we think should the Bruins should do at the deadline and I I have some thoughts about the depressed part of it too but to the third line and first line dynamic you would you would have thought if if you asked like before in February mid-February before the Marshawn suspension or I guess that would be early February because he missed mid-February but uh if I had told you guys oh the third line is overshadowing the first line you'd be like oh shit the Bruins season's over but in in reality they have just really blossomed and it's not really as negative as obviously we write about it because it's you know it's something we have to cover but it's not overly negative it's not hurt the team completely that the first line hasn't been able to be that top line it's just actually been a product of the third line being you know just playing above the level that anyone thought they would yeah and it's also a different combination than we would have thought back then because you you would have been like oh is it debrusque and coil and like you know or whatever it's a completely different look to the line and it's not it it makes it kind of makes you wonder about the first line but at the same time it's like okay well this is this is actually a positive yeah and this is always part of the calculation when you're talking about balancing your lines anyways like you you know i know People, a lot of people have this idea that you can put anyone with Bergeron and Marchand and it's a great line. True to an extent, but they don't. There, there are no other David Postonarts to put there. So, yes, you're going to take a step back, and, and what it's going to mean is that that line is not always going to be as dominant. And you, you decide to do that. You take the good with the bad. Yeah, as long it, as they if, if it means out. you have second and third lines that can step up. Then, then you're okay with that, and that was... that's where the that's where the brooms are. You know, you look at like Pittsburgh won back to back cups doing that, right? They would always, you know, on one of those cup teams, they had their three best offensive players on three different lines in Crosby, Malkin, and Kessel. And it's like, you know, you, you talk about like Connor Sheary playing on the line with Sidney Crosby. Ooh, and it's like Connor Sheary, you mess. Yeah, that's right. And it's like <laughs> it's like oh wow, like how did that happen? It's like well, that's part of Pittsburgh's calculation is Connor Sheary is going to, yes, it, it's not going to be as dominant of a top line as if you load it up with their best players. By the way, they did the same thing with Connor Sheary when he went to Washington. Played with right. Alex Ovechkin. Yeah, exactly. So, like, yeah, all, all teams, you know, debate this stuff and make these calculations, but yeah, if you're not loading up your best players on your top line, it gives you more balance, but it also means your top line is not going to be as dominant as it could be, and that's kind of what we're seeing right now. Well, that was like the taking the good with the bad was like 
probably one of the five different title options I sent to Scott for, <laughs> for the article. <laughs> just, I, I always send him like five. He's probably like, this is ridiculous. Like, by, by the way, one, one other thing on the top line is let's not forget, like they're still doing their job defensively. They're, oh, they're, yeah. they're not getting scored on, at least. Yeah, Good no, I, I actually was meaning to put that stat in there as well, but I got you know, I got caught up on the natural stat trick uh, website with, you yeah, know, Scott, that's Scott. I think Scott's a bad influence because now I'm on there every once in a while and I'm like, oh, my God, I'm turning to Scott. <laughs> I think that that's that's a good thing, Bridget. Just embrace it. <laughs> OK. <laughs> All right. It's, it's funny. You mentioned, you mentioned the, the article titles. I never had that problem. I would just send to Scott three key takeaways. <laughs> that's right. Bruins have flyers. Flies have Bruins. Um, um, but, you know, one thing worth mentioning, too, about depth is is that. And it, I know this might sound counterintuitive, but it's it's really not like having having three scoring lines, and, you know, even four if, if you're fortunate enough to have that. It's not like you're asking those lines to all score goals together in the same game. Like that's not exactly what depth is. Depth is all right. This game, this line wins it for us. This line, this uh, this game, this line wins it for us. That's what depth is. So like, you know, that's that's why it's great. Like right now. It's okay that the Bruins' top line isn't scoring because they're still winning. And then what happens when the Bruins' top line starts scoring and then the third line stops scoring? As long as they're still winning, that's that's the recipe right there. Yeah, and, you know, it's fun to, like, mock the Coyotes or whatever, but the line that the Marshan Berger and DeBrusk line was matched up against most of that game was the, the line that had been really, like, the hottest line in hockey over the last week plus, which is Clayton Keller, Travis Boyd, and Nick Schmaltz. And they held them off the scoreboard. Now that line scored with a second left in the second period, but that was against the the Bruins' second line, Hall, Hall, and Pasternak. So, in that sense, like you know, if you're it's, say you get to a playoff series and it's all right, our top line is going to go against their top line. Okay, they might not score, but if they hold them off the board and break even, now you're looking at your second and third lines to win their matchups. And I think the Bruins are certainly better positioned to do that now than they've been in in some recent years in most recent years honestly uh scott you you tweeted earlier today uh you quote tweeted the calder um the calder uh trophy candidate race type thing uh for nhl rookie of the year and noted that jeremy swayman you know could creep his way into that conversation and i think you know it's it's absolutely true um like and you look at his you look at his numbers league wide and he's top ten in all major goalie categories except for wins and that's mainly in part because the Bruins are split time with Allmark especially early on before he really won the job from him so like you know he's second in goals against average he's fifth in save percentage and he's tied with four other guys for fourth in shutouts but that drops him to the ninth overall so it's one of those stupid things but um. Long story short, like if if his win total is you know five or six games more than it currently is, which I think is at seventeen, not only is in the the race for the Calder, but like he's playing a he's he's playing some Vesna caliber goaltending. I don't know if that's a stretch to say, but when you're top ten in those three categories, you know, and, and you're top five in two of them, you know that that's the Bruins. Uh, it, it's just worth mentioning because, like, he absolutely should be in the running for Rookie of the Year, and I think we should feel very comfortable with him down the stretch as well. Yeah, and you know he's had a couple games here recently where he slipped up a little. I, I thought against Arizona he was really good. Um, yeah, and bounced back. And but... we got we got to on 
I'll plug this for you, Scott. On Sunday Skate, we have a show every Sunday morning at um, 11. Scott's on it. Razor's on uh, Andrew Raycroft, the Bruins. Uh, he's been a guest on here, too. Um, Brian but, in the car. And <laughs> Brian in the car, yeah, calling in. Uh, and so Raycroft was actually doing the broadcast instead of in the uh in the studio he was down on ice level and he said you know he got to stand right where the zamboni doors are right near where swayman's playing and he said he's never seen swayman play better like he he was completely confident after watching like full speed from ice level uh the saves that swayman was making and felt completely confident in what he could do yeah and you know as far as like the calder conversation goes it's it's should be a pretty wide open year. Like I think people kind of anointed most cider in Detroit, the Caldor like early on. And I feel like everyone's kind of just like accepted that. Cause none of the Fords have really gotten like super hot and run away with like the points lead for rookies. Like, and they're, they're good players. Lucas Raymond and Trevor Zegras, Michael Bunning is an older rookie in Toronto, but he is still a rookie. So he has to be considered, uh, Anton Lindell in Florida, but like none of those guys are having like monster offensive seasons. So it it is sort of open. Like if like if Swayman it plays like the level he was playing at throughout February, and the Bruins finish strong and climb the standings, and Swayman's been great, and he's still way up there in all those statistical categories. It would be it would be hard to ignore. Like that's the kind of thing where I feel like him finishing that strong on a playoff team could easily vault him ahead of guys like Cider, Raymond, uh, Zegras, who certainly Cider and Raymond are out of the playoff race in Detroit, and Zegras with Anaheim, they, you know, are hanging around for now, might fall out. But, you know, I feel like doing it on a playoff team, it, it like, has to count for something. And Swimming would be... A huge reason why the Bruins finished that strong. And by the way, don't you have to consider him for just for the fact that he already was named Rookie of the Month once? Like, wouldn't you go through and take those those players that won Rookie of the Month in, in any given month seriously for a spot? For, yeah, for the for the win. Yeah, definitely. It's like it, it's an it's an obvious place to start with the conversation. Is like, all right, who you know? Because there's going to be what six, maybe seven of those awarded throughout a season. So, mm-hmm. yeah. So, um, you know, do we want to kind of transition to to the major uh, soup du jour, which is next Monday? Or let's do it. So, I mean, look, the trade deadline is next Monday, the twenty first, and the Bruins have a very, very competitive team. And you know, if they if they're able to, you know, make some some um, some key additions, you know, depending on the players, I I think the Bruins could could jump to. You know, true, true contender status pretty quickly. You know, you had a Claude Giroux or, or you know, and a Claude Giroux and like a Mark Giordano or, or you know, one other depth guy. Like right away, right away, the Bruins they're 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 in they're in Class A. You know, um, but the question is, you know, is well, we'll start with this one. Is Jake DeBrusque staying? I mean, I, I guess you know how much stock do you put in that Elliot Friedman um, uh, report? I think so. I feel like I'm kind of in the same place I've been on this, which is uh, if you're trading him, it's for an upgrade. It's in a package to get a better forward to put in that spot. And I don't know that that trade's going to be out there. Uh, I just I don't think it's going to be a flip for you know a 
like even like one name that's Chicago comes up a lot in this because they have young forwards like Brandon Hagel, Dominic Kubalik, Dylan Strom who have all popped up in trade rumors at various times and I kind of feel like Strom might be like the closest to a one for one match. I think Hagel's value is much higher than DeBrusque's. He's having a better season uh, and is signed on a super team friendly deal for a couple more years. Um, Ku- DeBrusque, I think, has vaulted ahead of Kubalik at this point. Kubalik's still struggling. Um, but to, to that point, like, I wouldn't be trading DeBrusque for Kubalik. That doesn't make sense to me. No. It, you know, Strom is interesting just from you know value wise i think that'd be like fairly equal but strom doesn't play right wing he's a center or a left wing so who are you putting over there on that line like now you're having that same conversation again so i think unless it's in a package for a clear upgrade specifically a right wing in your top six i think they probably do hang on to him because it just doesn't really make a whole lot of sense to do something else. I mean, like I, I'm, I'm spitballing here, and, and there's no credibility to what I'm about to say. But like, oh good, is there, is there, <laughs> is there, is there, but like, I don't know, like, isn't, couldn't you see like that's the new tagline on the podcast, by the way. <laughs> what? No I'm spitballing here, and there's no credibility to what I say. <laughs> I'm just saying, like, can't can't you see a situation where like the Bruins package like Debraska first and Stanika for Giroux, who like. Is the expiring contract in the Flyers? Like, I don't know. I think like, that's a bad deal. For whom? For, for, for the Flyers? For the Bruins? For the Bruins. What was, what was uh, it again? I, 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 I don't. I, I mean, Jack, I mean, hypothetically, like, like Stanika, DeBrusque, and a first. Like, I would do that. Stanika's yeah. not going to do anything for the Bruins this year. Or, honestly, Bridget, he might be like, he might bottom out at a number three center. Well, the reason why that's league. not a good deal to me is because Daru would be a rental maybe maybe not you could get in front of the yeah, year but he's also i would do that because he's a huge upgrade huge upgrade. he's, a, he's a big upgrade yes but, but and gonna, it puts you in position to go for you're it, not gonna to, have to really go for it this year you all you also bear in mind like if that's the case you know you're not gonna have debrusque next year anyway no so see you later just a couple months early and the first round pick we've all been on board with like Grass and razor it's like if you're gonna give away picks give away picks like those aren't guaranteed, and 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 sure, sure, upgrade players are guaranteed. Um, so, and and I don't think Stanika is gonna really be anything. So, like, and we're also looking, we're also looking past the fact that Drew has to decide where he goes. But to our conversation last week, and I, you're right about that. And I thought about it more after after we got off. But it's like, I actually think the Bruins would be would be pretty um, desirable for Giroux. Like, I, I mean. Colorado, I I get the urge. I get the urge. Florida, I get the urge. But if I'm Claude Giroux, and we kind of touched on it last week, like if it's if it's the Bruins or if it's the Panthers, if if you're Claude Giroux and you're saying to yourself, I'm gonna go to Boston and either play with Bergeron and Marchand or Hall and Pashnak, okay, or like Florida, I'm gonna play with like you know Hubido and Barkov, like all right, fine. But like those those four players I just mentioned, the Bruins, like. Licking, licking your chops to like to, to to play with those guys, like absolutely. And the Bruins have been there before. So if it's not Colorado, like if I'm Giroux and it's between the Bruins and the Flyers, uh, the Bruins and the uh, Panthers, like I would I would have a tough time choosing against the Bruins in that situation. Well, and and so say I mean that's not a horrible deal, but I just don't I don't know if the Bruins would do it if if your proposed deal. Well, you really but you're giving up a first and sneak essentially. Yeah. Well, the first is why I don't know if they would do it, but um. They're gonna have to give up a first but to get somebody. Either way, there's 
you look beyond Giroux, say he is off the table, someone else is going to get pay more for him, or he doesn't want to come to Boston for whatever reason. Then, then where are you? What are you going to do with DeBrusque? Like at that point, it's it's harder to find an upgrade at the same time that you're that you're trading him. And I don't think that I don't think they're prioritizing their forwards. I think they're they're probably looking for what they could do uh, defensively. I think that they're going to have to make more than one move defensively. So I, I I agree with you guys, and I agree with what Scott says. Like you don't want to trade you don't want to trade DeBrusque for a downgrade. But like I think. Don Sweeney should exhaust every option to move him before he decides to keep him. Like, um, move him for, like, for example, if, like, a, a Giroud deal wouldn't work out, I'd flip to Brusque in an Everly deal. Like, I, there there are other deals to be had that, that up, you know, it's it's equal to or upgrade of DeBrusque right now. And if, there, if you can't find a suitor and you can't find a trade partner, then yes, keep him and, and, and don't trade him for less less than but I think that Sweeney should exhaust all options to do that before he decides to concede that and I and that's all I would say yeah and I think there's some other deals where DeBrusque is part of a package like if you're getting a defenseman and a forward um doing like two for you know two for one shopping where you're going you know like say say Seattle because you brought that up. Like say you're getting Mark Giordano, who's an older rental, and Jordan Eberle, who has a couple years after this, and you're giving up I don't know DeBrusque a first, and Sean, whichever younger defenseman. Um, what's a? Why am I blanking on the coach who left? Jay Leach. Jay Leach. Yeah. Whichever guy he liked most from from his time in Providence, like whether it's Ashan, Vakaninen, Zaboral, you know, throw him one of those defensemen, like something like that. I got, I don't know if that gets that done, but I'm cool with that. If if that if that team values DeBrusque, and you know it can be part of a package, and one of the guys you're getting back is a forward, like that that makes a lot of sense to me. Yeah, I think DeBrusque is showing the league that. If he's with the right players and in the right position, he can, he can be a good player on a good team or on any team really. I mean, I think like I absolutely see Seattle looking at DeBrusque and be like, yeah, this kid could be a top six guy for us for the next eight to ten. Is that just because they have literally uh, like they've added a bunch of Bruins since they <laughs> well, it, <laughs> it's it racking up Bruins players you, over there. It seems like that's why I'm saying it, but I'm really saying it because they're a brand new franchise that's at the bottom of the league and they're trying to build. A young core, and he could. He's twenty three. He's twenty five, maybe four, whatever. He's a young kid. He's a top. He's a first he's round 25. talent. He's a top six talent. So the like the crack are going to be. They're going to be selling at the deadline, and you know I just think that like that that's a team that would absolutely like bring in a Jake DeBrusque. Um, I mean he's a first round talent who's unhappy with where he is for God knows whatever reason. He's in a great situation. I mean, uh, I think I think DeBrusque is foolish to, to still be requesting a trade at this point of the season just you know bear down until the off season if i'm him but like apparently playing with bergeron and martian still isn't uh getting it done for him he still wants to leave so that's the other part of it too like i heard razor say on the on the show you guys did it's like he he's he thinks that the bruins have to trade him because like if if, if they keep him and then things go south it's going to be a very, very unhappy marriage down the stretch, even with playoffs looming. And like you don't, you, you kind of want to avoid that. Yeah, I think 
I would take my like I'd be okay taking my chances there. Especially I, I don't, with I don't Bergeron, think you have to trade him. Yeah, especially with Bergeron being on that line, and Bergeron has kind of it seems like been somebody who's just been you know consistently telling DeBrusque, "Hey, it, I, you might not want to be here, but you gotta you gotta come here and be a Bruin every day, and you, you have yeah. to you have to just." And play, also, play for the team you're on right now, and I don't think he would disrespect Bergeron like that, and 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 like get frustrated and drop off like, and and he, we haven't even seen him do that one time uh, really since he requested a trade. So I don't think he does that yeah, in the playoffs. His, his issues aren't with his teammates, so I think he would still play for them, and and he's still playing for his next contract. And like if you're gonna if you're gonna roll over and pout and you know whatever down the stretch like. What what kind of message is that? Like, word's gonna get around. People are gonna find out if you have like a if you're coming to the rink every day with a crappy attitude and dragging the room down. Like, that's not gonna help you sign a you know a big contract. I just, I just to to Friedman's and I I agree I agree. I, I, and I don't, by I don't the way, I just want to throw this in too. Based on the conversations this year that we've had with DeBrusque and other players, um, he, it doesn't sound like that's the case, Scott, at all. Um, I, it sounded like a lot of his, the players came to his defense when questions come up about, uh, you know, the the trade request, and um, he just doesn't he doesn't seem completely down on the team, obviously. So I don't I don't think no. that that's really what's going on. Sorry, Brian. No, no, it's okay. Yeah, you know, you're right. It's it, he's not, you know, unhappy with his teammates, or it's it's clearly a disconnect with the coach. But like, I just to free I think coach and maybe GM to an extent where I think he knows. He's not going to get the money here. That like I think that's a fact yeah, as well. That, yeah, he that, knows he's not going to get the money here that he wants. That's or, a fair, that, or thinks he should get. That's a fair point. Um, to Friedman, to Friedman's report though, like I just feel. Don't you feel that there's a team that's going to want him at the deadline, whether it's a team rebuilding or a playoff? Like I, I feel like part of a if he's part of a package, like I think I think teams would be interested in him. Like I don't think if Don Sweeney like tries hard enough, I think he can find a deal that works that. that Helps the Bruins right now. Like, I don't know. I mean, he's a good. He, Jake DeBrusque is a really good player, especially when he wants to be. And I think teams see that. And I think that they know he's unhappy in Boston. And if he's part of a package, that's the, the, the part I want to emphasize. If he's part of a package, I think Don can find find a, a dance partner with somebody in return that could help this team um, equal to or better than Jake right now. I just, he's, he, he's a good, he's a really good talent. Like you don't just find talent like that. That just wants to leave where they are. It, it's not, it's not, it's very rare. So to that point, if Don tries and can't find a dance partner, fine, keep him. Don't trade him away for a bag of pucks because whatever, like I'm, I don't want him to do that, but I do feel like he, he should be able to find something. You package him with a couple of other pieces. Like why not? Well, it kind of sounds like if they're not based off what Elliot Friedman was saying, if it's true, like that he has insider information that the, that the Bruins management doesn't want to trade him or isn't going to trade him, doesn't that kind of lead you to believe they're not looking to make a huge blockbuster deal? Uh, that that would be no, um, I not doing so because I think job. they can really? still make a blockbuster even if they hang on to him. They they still have six to seven million dollars in deadline cap space, so that the, the Bruins can get. Any one player they want. Like the question is whether they can get two or three, or what happens if they ship DeBrusque out. But even without moving DeBrusque or any other salary, they can get one impact player that they want. I mean, DeBrusque, a first round pick, and you know, one or two other pieces. 
that should get you something pretty big. Um, it really should because there, there there's a, there are teams out there with high end players that are coming to the end of their contracts or they're out of the play. There, 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 there's opportunity there to be had. Yeah, the the issues is like if that's going to be the package for a defenseman, say I don't know, Hampus Lindholm. Well, now you, now you still need to replace DeBrusque, and you have to figure out how to do that, because otherwise you're screwing up your lines. Well, and... that's why, in my mind, I feel like I wouldn't move— to, I wouldn't, I feel like if I'm trading DeBrusque in a package, it's for another forward, not a defenseman, for that reason, exactly. Um, like, uh, when I—and when I, when I, this probably isn't— But then, then you're not—then you're only addressing defense by getting a depth player. Well— if you're getting a high, like you said in the past, as long as you're getting one high end guy back, if that's at forward, fine. I mean, I, I think if if uh, if you have like if if you're willing to part with like a second round pick, um, and and Jack Ashan and you know something, I mean, you, you could or Vakaninen, you you could you could get some a decent defenseman back. You know, I don't know. I, I it's uh, yeah, it's all, it's it's tough to speculate because we don't know what's happening with the with the Bruins. That, that, but when I when I when I look at players I want the Bruins to go after, and I try to think of trade packages for them, I try to I try to give away the position I'm getting back. So like if if I'm if I'm if I'm offering something for Giordano, I try to make it a defensive package because if a team's giving away defense, they kind of want a defenseman. You don't really see the right. you don't really see the, the positional yeah, like, thing exactly. Like if you're if you're getting a defenseman that either already has term or that you think you're going to resign. Then you can give up one of your younger defensemen. If it's you know really high end deal, you even consider Lori. If you know if you're adding a center, like I don't know, say Hurdle is still available. I mean, we might, we might as well dive into that now because it sounds like the Sharks are still all in on trying to resign him, trying to get him to sign an extension, and. Pierre Lebrun reported that they haven't even listened to offers on Hurdle yet because they want basically like they're going to decide Wednesday or Thursday if they're if they have a deal done if they're close enough or if it's time to listen to trade offers. So that seems like cutting it awfully close. I, mean, I the deadline's I Monday, agree. especially because if they're not listening now, like if all of a sudden they start picking up the phone, they put you're themselves be like, at oh, a disadvantage. So yeah. oh, we know that you're not signing them, so. You have to trade them. Like, yeah, that doesn't make sense, actually. Um. Anyways, so where was I going? Oh, like if you're if you're getting hurdled, then you're more likely to. <laughs> That's the include... other tagline for the show. <laughs> <laughs> then, like, you know, you're fine throwing Stanika into that package. I, I'm Brian. I'm kind of with you. Like, I'm pretty okay throwing Stanika into just about any package for an yeah. impact player. Like, so... I just it's hard to really view him as like. Obviously not untouchable, but even as like a real blue chip prospect. I mean, now that you actually have a couple blue chip prospects in Lysel and Lori, it's like, oh yeah, that, like that's what that actually looks like. And that's, you know, Stanika might still be a really good NHL player, but it's it man, seems like, like it's, not here though. It's, not... it's been a while, and like he's still not there. Like yes, he's young. Yes, there's still yeah. time. But you know, if he, I think if he was going to be like a real impact first or second line center, you see more of that by now than than we've seen and just quickly razor sunday said he thinks that Stanika's window may have closed uh, just in general uh in to making the bruins lineup so it he said sometimes you only get a few chances if you don't make an impact or for whatever reason you don't uh you don't really grab the position then y- you never know when you when you get another chance at it well it's 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 
it's uh, frustrating as uh, for everybody involved, you know, Stanika, the Bruins fans, when you see him, you know, turning on the Jets down in Providence and driving the net and, and, and making plays happen, and then he comes up to Boston and it's just you're not there. So it's like, all right, well, there's a disconnect here because you can do it there, but you can't do it here, or and like that's you, the name or of the like game. You, you see, like, occasionally, like, I think it was when he, like, went in hard on the forecheck, won a good battle. I think he set up DeBrusque, it may have been, in one of the games. Yeah. He was up here, and it's like, oh, I mean, like, that was, that was legit. And then you just don't see enough of it. Like, you don't yeah. see it again. Yeah, and you know, look, as far as Lorai and Lysel go, for a lot of this year, um, I kind of felt like if the Bruins wanted to make that big impact acquisition at the deadline, one of them would have to be a part of a package. Um, I think I was a little rash with that. I, I don't think that's necessarily true. I, I I think that if they are a part of a package, then yeah, they're going to bring you something big. But I, I, I actually, I, yeah, I I. I, I I want them to keep them because I do think that the Bruins can address needs with other pieces. I like, I, for example, if you're Don Sweeney going into this deadline, Jake DeBrusque, Jack Ashan, Jack Stanika, Zach Senishin, in my opinion, w- at least one, maybe even two first round picks should be on the board. And then obviously, you know, whether whether one's a conditional or not, based off maybe the Bruins do a conditional first rounder if they go to the conference final or whatever. And then obviously, like, you know, if you get a deal second and third round picks, then you, you do that without blinking. So, like, I think that the Bruins have uh, – Earl Vakanayan is another name that should be in that pool. Like, the Bruins have – they do have uh, pieces to give away that should bring them back things. It's just – I'm convinced that they do. So it's just a matter of like, like I absolutely think if you're the Flyers and Giroux is on an expiring contract, and if you if you you offer them Stanika, DeBrusque, and a first or whatever, like the like the Flyers will probably bite at that. Like, why would they not do but that? But we have to take into consideration that the Flyers don't always uh, make yeah, complete idiots. sense in, <laughs> they're in, idiots. in their deals. You know, so you're right. Just, maybe, maybe, put maybe, that out there. maybe offer them yeah, Jacob Loco and a cone. <laughs> see, 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 see what that gets you. I mean, it might, it might get you something. You know, offer him a shooter tutor. They 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 haven't had a good goalie for for the last forty years. They might take that, but um, yeah. Like I, now, look, there'll be other teams bidding too, right? So if like I just think, and John Bucciagras has said it, Ray Croft has said it. We all agree. Uh, I if the Bruins if the Bruins need to part with two two first round picks, do it. Like if that's if that's the cherry that puts you over the top. I'm not saying for Drew necessarily. Uh, if if the Bruins if it's not J T Miller or like which it's not going to be Hurdle or Chikrin, right? And it's not going to be Chikrin. Like if you're gonna spend two first round picks, like it should be in separate deals. Like one should be to grab Giroux, the other one should be to like you know grab a G- Giordano if that's the cost, whatever. Um, but the, the Bruins, if I'll say I'll say this, if the Bruins are gonna keep Lysel and Lorai, then don't be afraid to get rid of future first round picks because you're being stubborn and rightfully so in keeping those guys. Then you can't be afraid to get rid of some some future first round picks because they're not sure things. The Bruins are in win now mode, and you still are holding on to two big pieces of your future. And Brian, I don't think they'll have to use two uh, two different first round picks. I think that if they're dealing a first round pick, it will only be the one. I don't think they'll end up needing to because if if you th- if you think of how they could target defensemen, I don't think Giordano necessarily is a guy that you have to use a first rounder for. Um, he is a top, yeah. and that's because of his age. It seems like there's a bit of a staring contest there right now where Seattle wants a first-round pick for him, and 
I don't think anyone's offered that so far, and I'm not sure anyone's going to. Like, yeah, and, and right. the reason the reason being is he's 38 years old and he's a rental. He's not someone that he's not a chicker and he's not young. He's not someone you're like, okay, this is a guy we might want to like yeah. try to make part of our long long term solution. It's it's he's just not one of those players. And so if you can get him for less than a first rounder, he's a top four defenseman. You put him next to Charlie McAvoy, which McAvoy deserves someone like that playing next to him rather than Forbert. Uh, then that that solves a problem without using a first round pick. And if you want to add a depth defenseman like Jacob Middleton, which is someone mm-hmm. you brought up earlier, once again you don't have to use a first round draft pick for that. So those you address two spots on defense, depth and yeah. top four, without having to spend a first round pick. So if you're gonna spend a first round pick, it ends up having to be in a deal for yes. a forward. And I yeah, that's uh, a relevant uh, update that just came across Twitter. This is from Ken Warren, who covers the Arizona Coyotes. DeBrus for Kessel, one for as, one? <laughs> uh, no. As as we saw in the game Saturday night, Jacob Chikrin got hurt. Uh, it only played about five minutes in that game. Forward. When he got hit by Forbert, kind of went he down did, awkwardly. Forbert was like, this guy's not taking my spot. Just when you thought Forbert couldn't fuck the Bruins anymore, he, go, <laughs> he, he, does, he, he, he takes Chikrin off the table. Yeah, so Ken Warren, this is from Coyotes coach Andre Terigny, said... Chigrin saw the doctor, had an MRI. What we know now is he won't play this week, and that's where we are for now. So that and takes Chigrin is, out through the trade deadline. Yeah, I was going to say, and, and this week is the deadline. most likely so. takes him off the board. I can't – no contender is going to trade for him now with him being out injured. Unless, like, they get, like, a clear update where it's like, oh, he'll be back later next week. But, you know, I could still see, like, a team that's not going for it this year – trade for him like i think pierre lebrun brought up the ducks as a team that was looking into him and that makes a lot of sense if like the ducks trade away hampus lindholm who's um a pending free agent and then turned around and used some of those assets and got jacob chikrin who they can like help build around with all the rest of their young players like something like that makes sense and probably doesn't change based Brian, on did that come up in your in your uh, scouting last week down in Anaheim? Did that come up at all? What, that they were going to yeah, bring maybe, in Chikrin? Maybe going in on Chikrin, yeah. Uh, well, I tried getting up to the ninth floor, but they wouldn't let me. Um, so I put on the Just wild... Just like they wouldn't let you in Disney World? Yeah. Well, and that's I... when they said, sir, there are only seven floors on this arena. Yeah, well, so, so the, yeah, and the, so the guy the guy tells me to hit hit the bricks, and I, I'm walking out of the arena, and I bump into uh, Wild Wing, so I throw his costume on. I go upstairs. <laughs> they still knew it was me somehow. I don't know, I don't know how. Um, Probably the Boston accent. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, yeah. So if I honestly, this entire time, I I can't for the life of me figure out why Arizona would want to trade Jacob Chikrin. Like he's he's a foundational piece. He's twenty three years old. He's not on an expiring contract. Like unless unless you get a king's ransom for him, like you shouldn't trade him. Like I don't know why they would want to unless they're getting a massive return. And that's why I've never really thought that. He was really going to go anywhere, even if he was healthy. It sounded yeah. like a pipe dream to me. I think like part of it was maybe like they fear that he would be unhappy if he's wasting like his prime years going through a rebuild. Yeah, Jake the like, situation. If, if you're gonna do that, then you might as well be looking to trade Clayton Keller too. Like it's the same thing. They're they're both around. You know, I think Keller's maybe a year older. Like they're both around the same age. You know, it's just. Another organization that I think just doesn't really know what it's doing, and it's like oh, you mean that you mean that it doesn't make sense for them to go play at ASU, yeah, five thousand person arena. Well, Keller looks so young; they were gonna try to put a uh, Arizona State like school hat on him and try to get him an uh, athletic scholarship and take him off the salary cap. 
But um, yeah, I mean, look, I I, I just think that with uh, with Chickering, it was never going to happen. Uh, thanks, Derek Forbert. Um, but yeah, it's it's yeah, we'll we'll see what happens. And by the way. It wasn't just – I have a suspicion, a lot of people have a suspicion as well, that it wasn't just the Forbert hit that caused Chickering to have, you know, his his injury because he was on a minutes restriction before that. Yeah, and there he was like, like some, four minutes in the first period. Yeah, so is... there was already something going on where Forbert might have just pushed it over the edge, and that should make you even more weary to, to make a trade for him. By the way, you guys want another update? Please. All right, Scott from the news desk. Uh, so I guess I'll just mention when we're recording this. So we're recording this – Monday around six six thirty at night. Um, so this will not be breaking news, but by the time we post this, but we can react to it. Elliot Friedman reports the Anaheim Ducks, who we were just talking about, have traded Josh Manson to the Colorado Avalanche for a Drew Hellison and a pick. Doesn't say what pick, but there's one defenseman off the board. I know Bruins have had interest in Manson. That's a good move in the past. Um, Manson has been injured a lot in recent years. It's been a tough go for him. Hellison from BC? Yeah, Drew Hellison, good good player, good defenseman from BC. Wow. Yeah, no, um actually, honestly, smart move by the Ducks. Ducks are going young. But I will say he's a um Manson's a big boy. Like that that's a playoff style defenseman if he can stay healthy. Definitely. Yeah, it's just like I would say 2 or 3 years ago, he was a clear top 4 defenseman. The, the kind of Big guy that like teams are looking for, you know, not like not a tremendous skater, but not slow by any means. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, but like I said, he's just been injured so much. I think there is definitely some risk there, and obviously the Avs are are betting on him staying healthy. He was injured this year. I think he like just came back from a finger injury. So, um, yeah, Avs Avs make. At least one splash. We'll see if they still have yeah. more up their sleeves. Well, it's but. interesting because uh, it's you, we, you get the sense last week that the Avalanche like don't want they're they're hesitant on Giroux because like they're holding off for somebody better. It's like oh, oh, oh interesting. Who who could be better there for him? But um, quickly to jump back to what you were saying, Bridget, about um, about uh, Chickren. Yeah, uh, it was about Giordano in uh, in Middleton. I think. Oh like, yeah, yeah. Adding adding. You could add two defensemen right. without spending a first-round pick. Right, and and what I would say to that is you can. My response is, but the Bruins should still be willing to part with more than one if that's what it costs. Like for yeah. example, if if a, if if a team that the Bruins could be meeting in the playoffs, come, you know, starts to up the ante on a player that they really want, don't like don't be afraid to outbid them. Like do what it, do what it takes. Now I agree with you. I don't think Giordano should should cost a first, but if he has to, like. And you and you're also spending a first and a to try to get Giroux or somebody like that or whatever. I, I, just f- find a way to make your team better. And and because the first round picks in 22, 23 aren't making your team better right now. And the Bruins are in win now mode. And with like Giordano and with Middleton, like I would say, like Jacob Chicken, huge name, right? Like great player, but you know, could a Middleton and a and a, and a Giordano like help address the like the Bruins needs in the back end right now. You need some more offensive push from the back end. Somebody who can get shots through, who can drive offense. That's Giordano, and then a middle ten could like help that you know that sandpaper type role. And also, also Giordano being the captain of Seattle, being the AGS, being a veteran has yeah. been something that the Bruins have targeted at deadlines before. If they it think is. that that's especially what looking at the defense right now, 
they have some younger players. Not that McAvoy isn't a leader, but um, you know it could help back there because they they lose Chara and they kind of lose that part of the defense, and then Giordano could kind of come in and fill that role. Yeah, uh, among other pluses that you would get from him. And 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 the other thing too is like that's true, but there's a lot of factors at play. We talked last week about how uh, Mark Giordano has never played out east. Like he's he's always been in the Western Conference, Western uh, Pacific Time Zone. Like, would he even want to come to Boston? And if he does, like, I'm sure the Maple Leafs will be in on him. I'm sure other teams, like, the Bruins are going to have to outbid these players. Well, we're just talking generally, like, these players would fit well if they can get them. There's a lot of intangibles that go into this. Yeah, I also think the idea of trading for two defensemen is really a luxury that, you know, like, I could be wrong, but I don't think it's very realistic. So because because you're higher on some of the depth guys they already have, like Vakanainen and Ashan, is that the case? Uh, It's a little bit of that, but it's also, all right, so if you trade for Giordano and Middleton, say, what are you doing with Mike Riley and Matt Grizzly? Is, is one of them in one of the trades? Is one of them flipping over to the right side? Are, are you... I think I don't think they're in the trades, no. Well, then how are you playing it? Like, and now you you have Derek Forbord and Connor Clifton sitting on the sitting out of floor. your lineup, and that's right. a lot of money just sitting on your bench. Yeah, yeah. You're, not, you're not wrong. It's a good point, Scott. It's something not, it's something I've thought of because I I tried penciling in like what a, what a sixth defenseman you know would be with those two guys in particular, and it was something like you know McAvoy, Giordano, Giordano uh, Carlo Grizzlick, Riley Middleton. It's like oh, okay, well then you got Forbord and Clifton sitting, which is fine. Yeah, well Clifton but, has said a lot already, but you're. But he's yeah. also been playing really well. Yeah, recently. he has. Yeah. And, and but he can he can be someone that you if if you need more grit or you need more physicality, you throw him back in. Like he's somebody that can come in and out. But the thing that the thing that I have a question with to Scott's point about bringing in two defensemen is like you bring in one defenseman to learn a system that's difficult enough. You bring in two defensemen now, and so now now you got two out of six defensemen playing that are new to the system, new to the team. Well. There's a, there's a lack of continuity there, so you you don't want to mess up too much of what's working because they do have a sound structure. But so, I just don't think yeah. that Giordano would mess up McAvoy. No, he no he wouldn't. But if you have Giordano on one pair and then Middleton on the other pair, well now you got it's it's a lot of moving parts. And then you keep yeah. Grizzly Carlo together. What I could if they were going to add two defensemen, what I think is more likely is the one on the left who's going to play regularly and maybe they knock forward out of the lineup or whatever. And then maybe depth on on the right side, where right now you only have McAvoy, Carlo, Clifton, and then it's all lefties who are going to flip over. So maybe that's, you know, I don't think Justin Braun would cost too much. UMass. Um, doesn't seem like it. So, like, someone like that who comes in and competes with Clifton for playing time and pushes him, or old friend Colin Miller in Buffalo who is reportedly available, like, Something like that where I, I don't think it's going to cost you a ton and it gives you that extra body on the right side that you don't have right now. Like I could see that being the second deal you make on defense. So, I don't know. I'm kind of giving up on... Uh, not that I don't want these players. I just don't see it happening. I'm giving up on Chickering. I'm giving up on JT Miller. I'm giving up on Hurdle. So, realistically... The best. I'm not totally giving up on Hurdle yet. Okay. No. No. Okay. Well. Because yeah, because the story behind that kind of just doesn't add up. Well, I'll put it. Uh, agreed. But okay. So I'll say this: in my in my perfect world, or my realistic perfect world, I I don't think it's crazy 
for the Bruins to be sitting at the, after the deadline and having Mark Giordano, Claude Giroux, and like a Justin Braun or a Calvin DeHaan. Like some, something like that, like it's doable. And if if, the, if Don Sweeney could do that, like, I think that is un, I think that's unrealistic for one reason only. Cap space? Money. Yeah. Who, who's Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Damn it. I think because you would have to get forgot, would, about, forgot about that part of the business. <laughs> you would have to get both of those teams to keep fifty percent. You'd have to move DeBrusque and maybe another contract out. And I know people like the idea of like, well, just jump dump John Moore's contract. It's like, okay, well, you have to give up something in order to do that because you're not you're not getting anything for John Moore, and you're not just passing him off for nothing. Like you have to now throw extra into the deal to do that. You also have to give up stuff to get teams to retain salary. So I think if, if you give up, Clifton, if you're going to do something like that, it becomes very like now. I think you're talking about at least two first round picks, at least one of Lysel and Lori, at least another pick or two. Like in, 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 for Giroux and Giordano, I think it's getting really expensive if you're talking about retaining that much salary. Oh, I see what you're saying. Yeah. Okay. So then, all why right, does Scott I, always have to be such a right, downer? Because because one advantage that the Bruins have is <laughs> they can add one of those players. Like if they trade for Giroud, they, I think Philly would only have to retain like maybe twenty five percent, and like that puts them in a bit of an advantage over other teams who might have to have them keep fifty percent, which is the maximum. So you know the Bruins are in a little bit better of a position because they can look at these teams and say we can actually fit this guy under the cap, so we don't have to give you something extra to to do that. All right, so basically what Scott's saying. Is uh, shut the fuck up, Brian. And um, what the Bruins should learn, learn math. What the Bruins should do is trade for a package of Thomas Hurdle and Jacob Middleton because they're both affordable. Because Middleton's making seven fifty, and Hurdle would be the only cap number to really consider. I like that. Like that would if we're talking like potential package deals or ways to get a forward and a defenseman. That's probably my ideal. Like two birds with one stone. One-stop shopping. Uh, I also liked what you guys suggested earlier, though, the Eberle Giordano. Like, that's not bad either. Yeah, I like that idea, too. Like, I have a, I have a few of these packages. Like, another one would be... Oh, is this... A, are you teasing another article? Is, so there, is I, there something coming? Possibly. I, I love it. I love I'm it. not committing to it because I haven't started writing it yet, and... Oh, uh, but sometimes, now everybody wants to know what Scott's... Sometimes when I... Yeah, I'm a, I'm a movie producer, but I haven't, I haven't started producing the movie yet, but... <laughs> Sometimes I have ideas and then I just run out of time and don't write them. So we're gonna um, hold you to this one. But like another one, like Hampus Lindholm and Ricard Raquel from Anaheim would be great. Now that has its own salary complications. DeBrusque definitely has to be part of that. Um, Giroux and Braun, there's you know get both of them together. Like something like that works. Uh, Chicago's really interesting. Like I I love Brandon Hagel and I loved. Uh, these two games he's played against Boston recently, he's looked really good. But he's going to be expensive just because he's young and he's on such a team-friendly deal. I think he's $1.5 a year for like two two more years after this. So, you know, that's that, – like I don't really know why Chicago would trade him other than they, they get blown away. But like him and Calvin DeHaan would, would be – you know, that would be really good. Like that addresses both. Um, but yeah, I think, you know, realistically in terms of like that real impact deal where you're getting, 
a difference maker on offense and defense. Yeah, I look at San Jose with Hurdle and Middleton if Hurdle does end up being available, or Seattle with Giordano and Eberle. That makes a lot of sense. So I'll ask you guys this. What is your confidence level that Don Sweeney is able to appease the fan base with something with some some deals like this? Because I actually, believe it or not, all joking aside, I know I I know I I uh, shit on Donnie a little bit here and there, but I actually think he's gonna do what it takes to to improve this team everywhere he can. I I think he knows where the team is. I don't think he is gonna give up Lysel or Laura, and I think that's fine. I think he can help the team without giving those guys up, and I think he's going to. I actually, I would be very surprised, and I know you've you've kind of prepared fans for this, Scott, and like, uh, which would suck, but I would be very surprised if he just made one depth move. I I, like, I think I think he's going to be active. Well, I think he's going to be aggressive. Let me, let me throw this out there. What if we come out of the trade deadline and Sweeney has done this, hung on to DeBrusque, not traded for a forward, acquired Mark Giordano for a second-round pick, and that's it? It's not terrible. No, uh, but 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 it, what what that the problem is for me in that situation is that you're one injury up front away to anybody in the lineup. It could be a fourth liner to it just messing the Bruins chemistry up because this Bruins forward group is so fragile that like the lines have to be perfect for everybody to to work well. And if you don't make a move for to add a forward. You have no leash with your forward group. If, God forbid, somebody gets hurt, whether it's a depth guy or a high-end guy, the forward group just isn't cap- isn't deep enough beyond those 12 forwards, I feel like, to, to be able to, ride, to, to, to get through that. Whereas I do feel like on defense, they probably could because they do have more depth on defense. Yeah, Brian's right. If they lose a top nine forward, then they're, they're kind of screwed, honestly. And you're also relying on DeBrusque and Martian and Bergeron to – maintain a high level of play throughout the playoffs which I'm not saying they can't as a threesome but like it, it's not it's not it's not a, it's not a song I'm willing to dance to like I feel like it's just it's I'm very uncomfortable with them going leaving the deadline without adding at least one forward I kind of am too for the exact reasons you lay out but I I also feel like there's not I don't know like that there's really like a super cheap like middle six forward veteran rental out there, you know, like someone you can get for like a third or fourth round pick. Like I guess maybe Phil Kessel would be the closest. Like there's been reports that he's out there for a third round pick. But we already know he has to play every single game of the year, so to keep his streak yeah. alive. Well and we know he has a high salary. So again, you're running into that issue. Like are you you know, another name that's come up recently I'm, by the way, I just want to say this. I'm opposed to bringing Phil Kessel back. I am for just for the stories. This is yeah. yes. this Costly. is not this is not even like a hockey thing for me. I just I just want the stories. Oh gosh. Um but yeah, like you know, unless unless you were convinced that like Kessel's going to play in your top line, then you're not bringing someone like that in. You know, there's the same thing where recently another name that's come up on defense is PK Subban. And, like, that gets everyone excited, right? Cause the, oh, Scott would write the heck out of that. Oh, it would be so fun. But P.K. Subban at this point is a third-pairing defender. You got two and he's sc- making $9 million a year. So even if you get the Devils to keep half of that, you're adding a third-pairing defender for $4.5 And, a half million. and like, you got not, two guys that are chronic slew-footers. It's just not, you got very two. Smart, it's not very smart uh, cap management, I don't think. No, it's not. But I, I think... 
I'm sorry. I, I just think that um, worst case scenario, you can always find a hidden a hidden gem at a deadline, like a Marcus Johansson type. They're they're always Taylor out there. Hall. How about Marcus Johansson? Hey, <laughs> if the shoe fits. <laughs> no, but you know what I mean. Like there's, yeah. it's, there's there's always somebody at the at the last hour that you know a team dumps or. Um, the, the, there's a forward. The Bruins can find a middle six forward. I I really do believe that. Um, at the very least. Um, but like I said, like I feel it. Like they they should. Giroux, Eberle, Hurdle. Um, you know if Vancouver's listening on Miller, but like I, the, here's a question. There are guys that are that the Bruins can that can acquire. The, the, if I just think Don has to be aggressive, and I think he will be. Here's a question: Do you guys think that the Bruins can get a package deal like Scott's? you know, two that he threw out there and then oh, whatever he writes in his article. Uh, <laughs> uh, do you think that they get a package deal done without being willing to move DeBrusque? And what would it look like if they just straight up decided DeBrusque not going to be part of a package? Uh, well, I don't, I don't know that you're doing – I think DeBrusque would have to be part of it, one, yeah, that's, because you're going to need to shed salary, and two, presumably part of the package is replacing him. Is, exactly. That's that's why I asked the question because I just don't last, see that. So now that. Now that I'm thinking about this because we kind of stumbled into it, like if you're getting Giordano and, and Marcus Johansson, Are, where like Johansson can play all over the lineup, either wing, like it should be really cheap. He's a guy in his 30s on an expiring contract that – is obviously not going to be part of the Kraken's long-term plans. Um, like, I, I don't know. I feel like you can find a deal there, and it doesn't involve giving up to Brusque. So something like that, you know, makes a lot of sense to me. If you want to see, aim even higher, Seattle also has Kelly Yarncroke available, another expiring free agent, um, more talented, can, but can also play all, you know, either wing um, or center. So... I don't know. You know what? Like, as we started this conversation, I was like, there aren't really that many of those depth forwards out they're there. They're out there. But yeah, like, I guess they're, they're kind of are. They're like, out we there. just found two of them on Seattle. You so. got, you got, you got, you got eight or nine teams. And the, there's how many teams are there? 32 now in the league? Yeah. So, like, you got like eight or nine teams in the Eastern Conference that are already out of the playoffs. Um, and then, I, you know, the Western Conference, like, it, yeah, it's t- it's tight in the, around the wild card race, but teams are starting to fall back a little bit. Like, you know, there's there's going to be about you know t- probably I would say twelve to thirteen, fourteen teams that are going to be bona fide sellers probably come Monday. That's a lot of you know. There's going to be some forwards to choose from, and and not every not every acquisition, by the way, at the deadline comes from a, from a seller. I mean, there's always hockey trades too, but like, I just think that the Bruins can address defense first. And still find you know somebody at forward, or they could you know. F- there's so much that can happen. Like we we literally have no idea. We're just spitballing. Like do they trade DeBrusque or whatever? So we really we we have no clue. I, I cannot well, wait. Okay, for- here we go again. I, I, can, I cannot. No, I'm just saying. I, I can't. I can't it's wait. Not for- based off anything. I have no clue. <laughs> no, I, none of us do. I don't even. Don Sweeney probably doesn't even know. Like the well, the, 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 the league is still. The, the, we're the, working. We're working on getting our sources. The in landscape. Line. The landscape is still shaping up. Like what teams, what teams are in it? What teams aren't? And like, correct me if I'm wrong, but I believe the week before the trade deadline last year, we like we knew Hall was available, but we weren't a hundred percent sure like that that deal could could be had to Boston. So like, there's certain things yeah. that are aren't completely on the radar that you kind of dismiss at this yeah, point. Yeah, we, we we didn't know that like. 
the Bruins were far and away his number one choice, and he was basically angling himself to go there. Like, for all we know, Giroux could be doing that same thing. Like, we, you know, that's something that like, you would have thought would have gotten reported at some point leading up to that Taylor Hall trade that, oh, he really wants to go to Boston and he's blocked trades to other places. And we didn't really find that out until after. So, is it against the rules for Bergeron to call him off the record? That's tampering, right? Uh, I think guys text and call back and forth. All right. Yeah. Whether it's, so whether I, it's legal or not. Because, because, because if, 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 uh, if Bergeron and Marshan bring uh, add add Claude Giroux into a group chat with P- Pasternak and Hall, like I, I I don't know I I I think he could be convinced. Um, but I I just can't wait until um, the deadline is over because then we'll finally finally know what the Bruins and other teams look like. I'm I'm honestly like we it, I know today is like the trade deadline episode like pre episode, but we've been we've been talking about this for like two months now because it's just like. We just know what it was impending, and it, like the whole se- landscape of the season is going to change once we know what their final roster is. And by the way, we will do a um, emergency episode or a reaction episode if something happens, say around St. Patrick's Day before before the Monday deadline. And Brian could be a little bit, you know, <laughs> tipsy because he's he's celebrating a little too hard. But we will have that, you know, abbreviated uh, reaction podcast uh, on an emergency basis if anything happens before. Monday. Yeah. Also, my birthday's Tuesday, so I'm getting real crazy. Yeah. Oh, so. Scott, we know you were already getting crazy. Yeah. You don't need an excuse. You guys can't see it, but Scott's wearing a Kiss Me I'm Irish t-shirt right now. <laughs> well, his name is McLaughlin, so <laughs> pretty safe to say he's I, uh, Irish. I th- th- thought that was Italian. <laughs> McLaughlin. When I was in college, I celebrated my 21st birthday on St. Patrick's Day in Boston. And wow. Let That's me tell a big you. One. Let me tell you. That's a big one. That's a big one. I don't remember a lot of it. <laughs> and that's the day he and decided ex- he wanted to be a writer. And that, and that's exactly what we expect on our emergency uh, St. Yeah. Patrick's Day podcast is Scott calling in, uh, yeah. you know, half of the bag. Uh, yep. j- just to update a couple of the news items we touched on earlier, Coyotes are now saying Chick ran out two to four weeks. Okay. So even a little more serious than the initial one week. And the full return on Josh Manson, this is according to Frank Saravalli, says Josh Manson to Colorado, uh, to Anaheim, Drew Hellison, who we already mentioned, in a 2023 second round pick. And the Ducks are retaining half of Manson's $4.1 million. So that's now again, like the one advantage the Bruins would have is they could fit a $4.1 million salary and not. Like I don't know, did, did Colorado have to bump that up from a third to a second to do that? Like the cost of that deal went up because Anaheim's retaining salary, so mm-hmm. you know. Uh, but that's you know that's pretty pricey for the Avs. Like again, Manson, injury prone player just coming back from an injury, they gave up one of their top prospects in a second round pick. Yeah, yeah, no, but again, and 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 why are they doing that? Because they're trying to win now so mm-hmm. it's the cost of doing business i guess i would i, I want to ask this question before we go bridget i'll start with you okay trade deadline comes and goes is jake de still on the bruins uh yes i i will consist i i'll be consistent i think he's on the bruins Scotty? yeah i think so as well well, I mean, obviously, I'm going to say no. I think, <laughs> I, I think he's going to be part of a package. I do. I, I, I know. Think... Not saying that it, it's the best move, but I just don't yeah. think. He no, is. I hear you guys. I, I, I hear you. I mean, I, I do think. I do think 
teams will be willing to take Jake DeBrusque on their team in a, as part of a package. I absolutely see it. I think they will too, but it's about finding the right. Like I think Sweeney has made it very clear he's not not training for picks, prospects, a, you know, one for one like similar kind of change of scenery guy. Like I think he's he's gone. He went down that road. He didn't find anything. DeBrusque got hot. That door closed. Yeah. Now it's either he's part of a package to upgrade the team or he's not trading him, which is exactly where I think Sweeney should be. Like that's what he should be demanding. So, and I, I just don't think another team's going to get there. I think, uh, uh, I think, I think the Philadelphia Flyers will be happy to take Jake DeBrus, Jack Sneaker and a first round pick for closure. I think so. I, I can see, see it. it. Defin- I, like, I, think, I could definitely I think, see that. I think you could see something like that. Absolutely. So I think he's gone. And if he's not gone, I'm going to buy a DeBrus jersey for the playoff run because I always have to support them if they're wearing the black and gold. But if he's no longer here, hit the bricks, kid. Um, anything else before we go? No, I don't think so. As, as Bridget mentioned, if the Bruins do something over the next week. I uh, hope it's not like an hour after we get off off the air, uh, off recording. This. Yeah. It's like, oh, yeah, oh, one hour. Okay, back to the studio. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so, you know, we'll have a reaction podcast. Obviously, we'll have... A post-deadline episode, whether, you know, whatever they do or don't do, and we'll react to it. So, uh, yeah, exciting week ahead. Big time. All right. Well, thank you for listening to episode 85, and we'll be in touch very soon, and we'll be diving into uh, the final playoff roster for the Boston Bruins. 